Hello, and welcome to Piecing the Parsha Together. This week's Parsha is Vayechi, the last Parsha in Sefer Bracious. And there are some patterns uh, that continue. The notion of fathers giving brachas to their children for their death Avraham does something along those lines at the end of Chayasar, gives gifts and everything to Yitzchak, and Yitzchak, concerned about his impending doom, will offer a bracha in Parshas Toldos, and now Yaakov will do it literally on his deathbed. And that we expect. And in fact, that is Perak Memtes, of Parshas Vayechi, and we would also expect the burial for Yaakov and the reconciliation of whatever issues remain with the brothers. We would expect all of these things to be in the last Parsha of Bereshis. If we look at the beginning of the Parsha, the first couple of Sukkim, we have Yaakov's request. To be buried in Eretz Yisrael. Memzayin Chafches through Lamed Aleph, Sephor Psukim. And then there's a break. We might expect if Yaakov is worried about his end of days that he wants to make sure that he is in fact buried in Mitzrayim. We might expect that. But then, if we look at Perak Memches, which is 22 psukim. What goes on here is a little different. Could this be broadly described as the bracha of Ephraim and Menashe? Yeah, it could. It probably occupies the majority of the parak. Does this absolutely have to be placed here? Unclear. Could Yaakov not have done this before? Perhaps. But if we look at some of the psukim, which are perhaps a little less clear as to what exactly they're doing, maybe we can get some greater understanding of how this parak may fit in, certainly with the psukim that preceded. So, parak Memchah starts out with Yosef being informed that Yaakov is sick. And then Yosef goes to visit Yaakov. Yaakov is made aware of this. And then Yaakov says something that doesn't seem to automatically fit with a bracha to Ephraim and Menashe, doesn't necessarily fit with the end of his life automatically, giving brachas to the other Shvatim. Pasik Yemel says, V'yom Yaakov al-Yosef, Kel shakai nirei elai beluz be'erz k'nan God appeared to me, in Canaan, in Luz. I confess that the first time I thought this Pasuk was referring to the beginning of Vayetze, where Beis El is called Luz. And, um, in fact, it is really a reference to Vayishlach, where Beis Kel is also called Luz. Here, it's just called Luz. So, that's the reference we're referring to. And then, 
the pasuk continues. Hashem said to me, make you big, community of nations. I'll give this land to your offspring after you as an internal inheritance. Okay. This happened years and years ago, before Yosef goes down to Mitzrayim, before Benyamin is born, as we will soon see. Yaakov never mentioned this to Yosef before. This is, for some reason, relevant right now. Okay, they're going to get Eretz Yisrael. Right now, interestingly, they're not in Eretz Yisrael. They're in Mitzrayim, and the recognition, the realization that they're not leaving anytime soon is also probably there. What comes next? He says, and now, the two children that were born to you in Mitzrayim before I came to you are mine. Ephraim and Menashe should be considered like Reuben and Shimon. And he will continue, any children you had after that will be yours. They will fall with their brothers in Nachla, I think, with, with Yosef. The Bechor? Okay, maybe, if we're talking about brachas to Ruvain and Menashe, maybe that has some element of the Bechor. What's next? When I was coming from Padan, Mesa, Allah, Rachel, the Eretz Canaan. Rachel dies. Later, Eretz Canaan, Bederech. And hadn't quite yet reached Ephras. buried her near Bethlehem of today. Uh-huh. Again, Rachel's been gone for a long time. Yosef was there when she was buried. What exactly is all this saying? We look at Pasachas, Vayari Yisrael has been a Yosef, Yom Miela, sees his sons and says, Who are these? Seemingly, if Yosef's been, Yaakov's been there for 17 years, they were born before he got there, as was previously said. He's asking, And my sons that Hashem gave me with this, bring them and I'll bless them. And then we have the setup of the Brachos. What exactly are we to make of all this? I think I've probably tried to speak about this before. I don't know. I don't recall trying to tie a lot of this together. There's a Rashbam. Pusik. Hey. Rashbam says, following that Hashem gave him the land, then S. Eretz Kanan, Harev Yershusi La Soscha Bechor. I can, if the land is mine, I can make you the Bechor, Lito Pishnaim, to take the, the double portion. And therefore, your kids will take like Ruven and Shimon. Okay. The Ibn Ezra adds for us comments at the beginning of the. Actually, it's really Sajig Gaon. Sajig Gaon is, is Pasuk Zion, and it's it's a one-line thing. He mentions he's going from on his way to Padan. He says, Rachel dies, and no, 
I didn't have anything else. The footnote in the Masada of Kuk, Taurus Chaim edition, will elaborate more and say that Yaakov had no children. Rachel is pregnant with Binyamin. Something that Rashi addresses in Parshas Vayishlach on the Psukim where it says that Hashem will, will, will make him into a great nation. Basically, the prophecy that Yaakov is recalling here. We see that no kids are born. Rashi will explain it's 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 descendants of Yosef or Binyamin. And I think it's descendants, I should say, descendants of Binyamin. And that's how so Rashi will answer this question of like where where are the where are the Kahal, where's the, the great nations, etc. It's just Binyamin, it's just one child. I believe Rafsad Yagon, certainly this is how the Ibn Ezra's understanding him is saying that I never got that fulfilled. The prophecy that I received at Base kale on my way back into Eretz Canaan was never fulfilled, and I'm going to fulfill that now through you, Yosef, by making your children the equivalent of Shvatim. Okay, and perhaps Yaakov does not want to do this earlier because of potential for sibling rivalry, which we already know happened. That's the whole Yosef story, and furthermore, in the brachos themselves. Ephraim is placed ahead of Menashe, even though Ephraim is older. And Yosef says, no, Dad, don't do that. And he says, I know, I know, but Ephraim is going to be the bigger of the two. Maybe he wants to wait specifically until right before he dies. So perhaps we have some understanding now of part of what Yaakov says here. And again, the specifics of calling, you know, if it brings uh, Ephraim and Menashe, there's going to be a bracha right before Yaakov's death. And he, he starts by mentioning this nevuah that he received on the way back into Eretz Yisrael. And, and the implication from Rav is that it hasn't been fulfilled yet, and Yaakov assumes that he will fulfill it with Ephraim and Menashe right now. And we can add to that the Rashbam saying that it's my... Land. It's been given to me, Yaakov says, and therefore I can do with it how I see fit, and this is how I see fit. This might fit in later in this parak, towards the end, the end of the third Aliyah. He'll return you to the land of your fathers. So I'll give you one extra portion on your brothers, Yosef's brothers. Like again, so it's it's not clear, you know, why why he would mention like those specific things. If Rashi says um, something to do with the davening based on Uncleus. And um, the point is that Yaakov had the extra to give. So it sort of begins and ends with this, with this sentiment. That leaves us with one final issue, which I think maybe has been addressed, I cannot recall, in previous times, but mentioning Rachel. was 
Pasuk Zion. So many of the Rishonim, I'm fairly certain this is the comment that's been made in the past, have sort of mentioned this idea that Yaakov has to sort of justify what has happened previously. I asked you to bury me in Mitzrayim, but I didn't, not to bury me in Mitzrayim, bury me in Eretz Yisrael, but I didn't do the same thing for your mother. He doesn't address this to Yosef earlier for some reason, but he chooses to do it now. And again, they go to length that he, he had, what was he supposed to do? He, he was on his way. He, he had brought her to the Maratzma Palace. She might have decomposed and, and, and brought it uh, on the way, if, especially if it was the summer. They didn't have doctors around. He couldn't embalm her. He had no choice. The Sforno adds a little bit in Pusik Zion to the conversation of, of earlier, and that is, you may think, that Yaakov loses out on this bracha through some sort of hate. It's true he doesn't have any more children, but maybe it was because of some sort of hate. And he says, no. Rachel dies. And that's why he didn't have any children. Further. And that's why the, the, the uh, whatchamacallit, the bracha wouldn't be fulfilled yet. So it's possible that really this fits in with the larger picture of, of Yaakov at this moment in time before his death saying, I'm going to apportion the Bechor, which is part of inheritance. I'm going to apportion this out now how I see fit because Eretz Yisrael is mine. I was promised extra children, which I did not get. Lest anyone think it's because of hate. No, it's because Rachel died right after that bracha. It's true, Benjamin is born, she was already pregnant. With Benjamin, so I, y- y- Yaakov didn't get anything added from that bracha. Once he's mentioned, Rachel is passing, he will now go back and say to Yosef, by the way, you might harbor some ill will on me that I've asked you previously to bury me in Eretz Yisrael, and I didn't quite do the same thing for your mother, but it's because she died on the way back. I didn't have the opportunity. Rather, I think this is the Fiskuni. Let's see. Yes. Rachel is buried in a place that is in the Nachla of one of her children. The Chaskuni is on Pasuk Zion, This area will be in her children's inheritance. And it's a cover that she's buried there. And he quotes a Pasuk that says that the cover of Rachel is in the area of Binyam. Burying her in the cave wouldn't, he says, be a cover. Because that's in the Chalik of Yehuda. Which is fascinating to show that even in death, it's not entirely resolved the issues of this unfortunate rift between siblings. The Gallus is beginning, Parsha said there's no break in the Parsha because. With Yaakov's passing, the Gullus really starts or intensifies in some way, and obviously Shmos will be that in, in earnest. And it's very clear in the Navi that um, 
Kevin Rachel will be a spot when Bnei Yisrael are marched out in Golis Bavel. She will be Malaka al Banel. So there's high significance to this. And Yaakov doesn't seemingly tell Yosef. I don't even see anywhere where it's you know fully you know alluded to that that's what's going to happen. But that her positioning, specifically where it is, seems to be particularly relevant in light of those circumstances. So we can take from here a sense of what happens Yaakov's uh, death Maybe there's a decision to wait on Ephraim and Menashe until closer to his death, perhaps, to avoid a sibling rivalry issue, which has played out many times throughout, say, for Bracious. Um, certainly, it seems that if we're focused on inheritance, then it would play into the idea of well, sort of a last will. And... If Yosef is, if Yaakov is making the Shvatim, then he's going to make Ephraim and Menashe there, and they get a bracha, and the rest of the Shvatim will get brachas in the next section. And then you have as part of the discussion about how he knows Ephraim and Menashe should be there, Rachel can come up, and Yaakov will feel that he has to justify the fact that she was not buried in Marasa Machpelah. But we also have this additional knowledge ourselves that at least at a deeper level, that will provide additional comfort in some way for the future. I wish everyone a wonderful Shabbos. Thank you for listening. See you next time.